people. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message for today, June 1st, 2021. Happy Pride Month to those of you in the LGBTQI LMNOP community. You're gay. Big goddamn deal. Nobody cares. Let's move on. As always, guys, don't forget to click that subscribe button, tap that notification bell, and maybe you will see our videos. And as many of you know, last week we started clipping the direct messages. So usually I cover about three stories a day here, five days a week. We are now clipping those. So in case you can't tune in live at 11 a.m. Pacific, you will be able to see the shorter videos throughout the day. Today, we will be doing uh, three stories. I think we mixed it up nicely. First off, uh, we're gonna cover some Memorial Day tweets or non-tweets by some of our politicians. And it seems to be getting increasingly more difficult for Democrats to say not only anything about nice about America, but about uh, the veterans and uh, the soldiers who we've lost over the years who actually defend our freedom, who are far more braver than any of our politicians or me or most of us, and they deserve all the credit. And I hope you all had a great Memorial Day weekend. And for those of you that have lost family in wars, I hope you took some time to be appreciative of, of their service and for everybody. It doesn't matter if you lost family particularly, uh, everybody, I just, uh, I, I'm feeling very, I'm feeling very patriotic today, I really am. I'm just feeling like we got something to fight for and I think more and more people are realizing that the more Memorial Days and Labor Days and Fourth of July's that pass, it's like maybe we're starting to wake up and realize that these days are set up to remind us something, like Independence Day, we're supposed to remember something, Memorial Day, the people we lost. Maybe we should be thinking about these people. So we're gonna cover some, some tweets and non-tweets by some of our favorite politicians. Uh, then we've got an update on that Middle East war. There's some really bizarre things that if you watch the mainstream media, you're not gonna see victory parades in Gaza. I thought they were being genocided um, and violence here in the United States while people of Gaza are actually going out to the beaches. We're gonna juxtapose some things for you. Uh, there's your word of the day. And finally, a new study has come out that is showing that liberal women have far more mental health problems than conservative women. I had a feeling about this, and we're gonna dive in to the numbers that I'm sure are racist and white supremacist and all that stuff. Uh, before we do any of that, though, I wanna talk to you guys about, about Black Rifle Coffee. You know, Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Veteran CEO and founder Evan Hafer spent over seven years on the ground overseas with U.S. Special Forces and as a CIA contractor. Black Rifle Coffee is continually committed to supporting veteran law enforcement and first responder causes. Isn't that refreshing? In our country and overseas, courageous frontline workers risk their lives every day to protect ours. Inspired by their hard work and dedication to protecting their communities, Black Rifle Coffee makes it their mission to give back to those who serve however they can. Throughout May, they rallied behind law enforcement officers, firefighters, first responders, active duty military, and other frontline workers by spotlighting local heroes through community nominations, donating coffee to keep the front lines caffeinated, and giving back to organizations that support our nation's heroes. They import their high quality coffee beans from all over the world and roast five days a week at their facilities in Manchester, Tennessee and Salt Lake City, Utah. The team at Black Rifle Coffee is continually researching and experimenting with new roasting methods and coffee origins. You can purchase at blackriflecoffee.com. 
slash Ruben and use code Ruben at checkout for 20% off your first purchase, including your coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. I'm drinking Black Rifle Coffee right now. Delicious. All right, so uh, the big controversy over the weekend was uh, that Kamala Harris, who is our VP, uh, a woman who is incapable of going down to the border. She doesn't want to go down there, although supposedly she's in charge of the border, but refuses to go down there. She has an evil witch-like cackle of a laugh and uh, was polling at 0% in her own party primary when she uh, stepped away from the nomination process and then somehow was installed as vice president. But great gal, great gal. Uh, she tweeted on Friday, well, we've got the tweet right here, with a picture of herself smiling as any good Democrat does. They make it about themselves and not why we're having a long weekend. She just said, enjoy the long weekend. No mention of Memorial Day, no mention of you know our soldiers and brothers who have lost their lives defending our freedoms, none of that kind of stuff. And that actually did cause, uh, I would say, somewhat of a warranted outrage. We're all outraged all the time, but this one seemed kind of legit. Like, how about just have a nice Memorial Day weekend or I'm appreciative of being an American or something like that, but she couldn't choke it out. And then, and then the Twitter people started coming in and then the New York Post covered what happened next. Vice President Kamala Harris posted a more fitting tribute to America's military Sunday, a day after drawing online heat for telling her fellow countrymen to enjoy the long weekend. And then we've got the actual quote from Harris once she was sort of guilted into saying something nice. She said, throughout our history, our service men and women have risked everything to defend our freedoms and our country. As we prepare to honor them on Memorial Day, we remember their service and their sacrifice. So this got me thinking actually, because when I saw the tweet, you guys know I don't tweet on weekends. So I didn't tweet on Saturday, Sunday or Monday, but a few things occasionally come across my phone when I'm, you know, just from notifications and things. Uh, so I started thinking, well, the, the Kamala Harris thing is not that surprising to me. I, I always find, and you can go back and, and do your due diligence on this, I always find that on Memorial Day, on Labor Day, on 4th of July, even on Thanksgiving, that the progressives, the, all the political leadership and the pundits, they all really struggle to choke out anything sort of positive about America or they couch it in, but we've done horrible things. Like they just can't sort of outwardly do anything positive towards America. But don't take my word for it. Just search any of their Twitter feeds with those days in mind and, you, and you'll see that that's pretty consistent. So interestingly, AOC and Ilhan Omar from the Hamas caucus of the Democratic Party, they did not say anything about Memorial Day on their personal pages. They didn't say anything. Uh, Elizabeth Warren did say something that was sort of perfectly fine, nothing, nothing too uh, intense. And then I just thought I'd give you some good ones, just some basic ones. So we randomly just picked a couple of Republicans, guys who I've chatted with on the show who I think are decent people who kind of like America. Here's Rand Paul. He said, on Memorial Day, we honor the brave men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Always remember the cost of war and cherish their lives. Pretty good. How about that Ron DeSantis guy running Florida like a boss? This solemn day, we remember the sacrifice and lives lost by the great men and women of our armed forces who fought to secure liberty and freedom for all. This Memorial Day, I ask Floridians to pause at 3 p.m. for a moment of silence to honor our fallen heroes. God, I love that guy. Ted Cruz, this Memorial Day, Heidi and I honor and remember the soldiers who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. Thank you to all of America's heroes and their families for your service. See, it's not that hard 
to say nice things about America. It's not that hard to say nice things about the people who made the ultimate sacrifice so that guys like me can babble about this stuff on YouTube and so that the rest of us can go about living our lives. And then of course there was that Donald Trump fella, you may remember him. Uh, he's sort of like Beetlejuice been banned to the netherworld unless you say his name three times and you spin around backwards or something. Uh, he released a statement, but I, I thought I'd read it because he's not on Twitter so, uh, and you're not gonna see it on mainstream media and I thought it was pretty good so uh, why not read it? He said, we remember the fallen heroes who took their last breaths in defense of our nation our families, our citizens, and our sacred freedoms. The depth of their devotion, the steel of their resolve, and the purity of their patriotism has no equal in human history. On distant battlefields, in far off oceans, and high in the skies above, they faced down our enemies and gave their lives so that America would prevail. They made the supreme sacrifice so that our people can live safely and our nation can thrive in peace. It is because of their gallantry that we can together as one people continue our pursuit of America's glorious destiny. We owe all that we are and everything we ever hope to be to these unrivaled heroes. Their memory and their legacy is immortal. Our loyalty to them and their families is eternal and everlasting. America's warriors are the single greatest force for justice, peace, liberty, and security among all the nations ever to exist on earth. God bless our fallen soldiers, sailors, coast guardsmen, airmen, and Marines. So I thought that was worth mentioning because, uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of right and it's kind of true. And I'd be curious to know. And we're uh, we're discussing this in the uh, in the locals community, RubenReport.locals.com. Like, are you guys feeling a little more patriotic? Did yesterday feel more important to you as it feels like this thing, this American project, is sort of slipping away and and the hysteria of of the woke left and this ever growing government and six trillion dollar bills and let's bankrupt the whole thing. Like, is it starting to feel more important to you to defend America? It is feeling more important to me. I would also uh, contrast that and compare that with what I've been saying about holidays lately, that, that religious holidays have started feeling more important to me because in a time as the secular world just completely crumbles, uh, I'm finding value in these eternal stories. This is obviously something Jordan Peterson has talked about for many years. And actually, uh, I'm gonna be interviewing somebody. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off on mentioning who uh, that we'll post next week that's gonna be very much about that that I think uh, you're gonna enjoy. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the second story because there were a couple interesting things that came out this weekend that don't quite fit the corporate press narrative. And I think it's important to show. So first off, um, Hamas, and these are the terrorists, basically, that run the Gaza Strip, okay? They run this tiny little piece of land that's just a sliver of the en entirety of Israel, basically, that is, and I talk about this all the time, that Israel's basically the size of New Jersey. This is just a tiny little strip that before 1967 was part of Egypt. It was never part of a place known as Palestine that had a prime minister or a president or anything of that nature. Um, well, they had a victory parade this weekend. And I thought we'd show you this victory parade because you're not gonna see this on mainstream media, but it's quite curious because I thought Israel was bombing children and there was a genocide and ethnic cleansing and all that stuff. Seemed odd that you would run a victory parade, but here it is. You may want to lower your volume a little bit. Thank 
I would imagine they were singing about peace and coexistence and that sort of thing. Um, if you don't think that that's odd, if, if they were, you know, ethnically cleansed and all of the horrible things that everyone said Israel was doing a week ago and now they're having victory parades, also really reminds me of Auschwitz, doesn't it? That's the other thing they always say. It's like the concentration camps. Yeah, yeah, you ever see pictures from the concentration camps? Pretty sure they weren't driving around with missiles and everybody looked sort of fat and healthy and all the rest of it. Uh, but then, if you don't think that's odd enough, that that doesn't sort of fit the narrative, this video came out. This is Gaza's packed beaches this weekend. seems to be a narrative buster for you, right? Genocide, open air prison, it's like Auschwitz. They're just enjoying the day on the beach, which shows you that what's happening on the ground is very different than what you're seeing in the news. And the reason I showed you all this was because then this weekend in Brooklyn, you know, the, the, these Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters, protesters, whatever you want to call them, they've now had this intersectional bond in hell with the Palestinian activists. And here in New York City at the Brooklyn Bridge, we've got some pictures we'll throw to you. They had massive protests where they basically shut down the Brooklyn Bridge. So you've got the people actually in Gaza on the beach trying to go about living their lives. You've got the Hamas terrorists, a self-described, I mean, they're a self-described terrorist group. They wanna wipe out all the Jews, right? Not just those mean Israelis, all the Jews. Uh, they're having a victory parade. They've got people on the beaches, but here, our activists, which is exactly what Rashida Tlaib wanted. She wanted to combine these, you know, quote unquote oppressions. So now you've got in some ways, our activists here in New York City at the Brooklyn Bridge, in many ways being more radical than the people on the ground in Gaza. And there is a reason for that that goes beyond just what our awful progressive politicians are saying. The New York Times, this is, I mean, this is just so fascinating. You really gotta pay attention to this. The New York Times had an opinion piece a couple days ago called The Myth of Coexistence in Israel. And we're gonna show you the map here. So this is a map that they showed in this piece that ran in the New York Times. And I've covered this a couple times on the show, but that map is complete fabrication. MSNBC used to show that map and they had to retract it. What you're seeing there on the left when they say all of that is Palestine, the implication is that there was a country known as Palestine. Okay, there wasn't, you guys all know this, there was the British mandate of Palestine for many years, and then before that there was the Ottoman Empire. And in the place of Palestine, there were no people known as Palestinians. There were Arabs that lived there and there were Druze and Jews, not Druids from uh, Spaceballs, there were probably some of them there too. Um, so that's the first map that you're looking at. Then the second map is basically what you're seeing there is the 1947 partition plan. That's what they could have had. They could have had two states. These, the Jews said, yes, we'll take it. The Arabs said, no, then launched a war and lost. Then the third map they show here is complete fabrication because the green in the third map here 
on the right, the big chunk on the right, that's Jordan. That was Jordan then. And on the left, as I said before, the Gaza Strip, that was part of Egypt. Then on the fourth map here, they're trying to imply that now Palestine is smaller. That's starting in 1994 when the Israelis for the first time gave Palestinian people, self-identified Palestinian people, an area to control of their own. So the Israelis are the first one that gave it to them. I know this history gets all annoying. And by the way, Bill Maher, you know, I've been a little critical of Bill Maher lately because it's like he's a lefty, but he's not completely insane. And I would say he's mostly, he's good on free speech. But he actually basically repeated a, a, a complete show that I did about two weeks ago, uh, laying out the history of the area. And I will give credit where it was due, whether his guys watched my show and decided to do it or not. He actually did a nice defense of Israel, and it was nice to hear from a liberal perspective because it's been so bad. But in any event, so they sh the New York Times runs a piece called The Myth of Coexistence in Israel, showing the map that is a complete fabrication. And then finally, because people pushed back, they had to admit it was basically a piece of art. So this is from Honest Reporting. Uh, but arguably far worse than the piece itself was the Times' choice of a graphic, one that spreads the tendacious lie that between 1948 and 1967, Palestine shrunk, and this disappearance continues up until the present day. And here's the, the amazing part. When pressed, the Times deputy opinion editor, Patrick Healy, submitted that the graphic should not be taken literally. This image was used as art atop an opinion essay, and we felt that the art image helped illustrate her arguments in a statement. Yes, a fictitious art did illustrate the written word in the fictitious piece. The New York Times is genuinely evil. It is, it is a place of evil. It is not a place of journalism. And if you think that that's excusable, that they can put up a map to correlate with an opinion piece and then after, and nobody reads the retractions. That's why I thought this was important to do. Nobody reads the retractions. Afterwards they say, oh, the picture we put up, that everyone sees the picture and they see the headline. Very few people read the, the articles or the opinion pieces. It was just art. <laughs> it didn't have anything to do with an actual map or factualness. Ugh, these people are just ridiculous. And that's a perfect segue to the third story because this links to this new study that liberal women in particular are going completely bananas. Uh, we've got a quote here from EV Magazine. There was a new study and this study, which examined white liberals, moderates and conservatives, both male and female, found that conservatives were far less likely to be diagnosed with mental health issues than those who identified as either liberal. So we've got this image up and this is Pew Research, okay, these people are reputable as far as I'm concerned. Uh, what you're seeing all the way on the left there, the 56.3, that's the, the high blue bar, that's white liberal women. 56.3% of white li liberal women have had a doctor or other healthcare provider told them that they have a mental health condition. Now you go to the right over there, and the 27.3, see white conservatives, so this is white liberals, white moderates, and white conservatives. Only 27.3 of white conservatives have had this happen to them. And what's interesting, so basically in effect double. So basically double white women who are liberal are suffering from some sort of mental condition that conservatives are not. And I think you can directly link that to the previous story, that if you only read liberal media, you don't know what is true anymore and you can take any position depending on what Trump said, or you find out three weeks later that every story that they tell you is a lie. You can't talk about uh, COVID leaking from a lab. Then you can, you're told Brett Kavanaugh
Illinois is a racist. Then you're told he's not. Jesse Smollett was lynched. Then he wasn't lynched. The Covington kids were evil white supremacists. Then it turns out that they weren't. Trump tried to pressure the attorney general in Georgia to flip the election results. Then it, that turns out to be false. These people are, are inundating themselves with nonsensical information that doesn't comport with the real world in front of them. And then they're starting to go crazy because then they find out real information, but they're so tied into a sort of political identity that they can't actually accept what's real. And by the way, I don't think, and I made this argument in my book, I don't think you can disconnect that from having something to do with belief. I, I, it's such a strange place for me to be arguing from, but I really do believe that, that conservatives, generally speaking, and not all conservatives are believers, obviously, but believing in something, it doesn't mean we all have to believe in the exact same God. It doesn't mean we all have to have the exact same traditions, but believing in something helps keep people sane in the storm. It keeps the ship afloat when you're in an endless wade of bullshit. And that's what we're in right now. So liberals are all kind of going nuts. The, and I mean that, and in this case, I mean that when I say liberals and not lefties, because there really aren't any liberals left, despite being the guy that wrote the book, Defending Liberalism, right? Um, they're all sort of going nuts because things are obviously far worse politically, and I would say culturally, now than under Trump. Like, that's just obvious. If you care about any sort of liberal principle, that's just deeply obvious. And yet people are now not saying anything, right? The, the liberals really are doing nothing in the face of this because they don't wanna be called scary conservatives. And what I find consistently is that conservatives are open, they're decent, they're willing to talk, all that stuff that you all well know. Um, so it does not surprise me that over half of white liberal women, the women these people who self-flagellate, right? These people who there was this incredible video that went around of some school Zoom thing where a white teacher tells people she will no longer te teach Spanish because she as a white woman shouldn't be teaching Spanish. It's, it's becoming a mental disorder. Wokeism is a mental disorder and it has infected a huge amount of people. And if you are liberal, if you are a true liberal and you're watching this show, I hate to tell you, but you're a scary conservative now. But they'll be my. Uh, guys, I got a busy week. I'm going to Austin for a live event with the Heritage Foundation in a couple days. Uh, so there will be no live show on Thursday. However, we are doing our weekly Q&A a little bit early. We're gonna be doing that tomorrow. You can submit questions at rubenreport.locals.com. Part one of my interview with Kirk Cameron. You guys remember Kirk Cameron, who was Mike Seaver on Growing Pains, which was one of the seminal sitcoms when I was growing up, because I was basically the same age as Mike Seaver, and it turned out we thought that Growing Pains in my town, in Syosset, Long Island, we thought that Growing Pains took place in Syosset. Kirk actually enlightened me, it took place one town over, but it just very much, that show just reminded me of my childhood, and uh, I've gotten to know Kirk uh, over the last little while, and he's just got an interesting story related to being a child star finding what he really believes in, fighting for America. I mean, he's a true patriot and, and just a, a really decent guy. So we had a really fun interview. Part one of that is up on YouTube right now. The full episode, of course, is up already, completely ad-free at rubenreport.locals.com. 
I've got a couple things to do. I hope you're feeling rested and recharged from the weekend. Let's take that feeling maybe, because I think you might have it too, of a little pride in the country, a little patriotism, a little honoring of the people who were before us, and let's see if we can continue fixing this thing. That is my goal this week. Join me on that crazy, radical, right-wing adventure, everybody. See you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.